0: It's Saturday, the 12th of August. I'm Kira Evans, and this was a week that saw PSNI data breaches, leaf force shaking, government talk, mortgage support, coup continues in Niger, and rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. Grab a call about something hot. Put up your feet. And get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the Standout 7 from the Smart 7 Ireland edition. It's news, but not the news. In what's been called a monumental data breach, the names, rank and location of every member of Northern Ireland's police force were published online on Tuesday. The data was published in human error by the PSNI in response to a freedom of information request. and meant that 10,000 staff and officers' details were available on an online spreadsheet for about three hours on Tuesday afternoon. The PSNI said the information published does not include home addresses of its members. Assistant Chief Constable Chris Todd said police were working to mitigate any security risks. I absolutely do appreciate those concerns. I've written to all of my colleagues across the whole of the service this evening, um, explained to them the actions that we're taking, given them information to help them further protect their own personal security and those around them. Uh, and we will listen to the concerns of all of our colleagues individually uh, and address any concerns that are raised. Then it went from bad to worse as a second data breach was revealed. This one is down to a theft of a spreadsheet with the names of 200 officers and staff back in July when a laptop, police, radio and documents were stolen from a private vehicle. And there are real safety concerns for some staff affected by the breach, as Chairman for the Police Federation for Northern Ireland, Liam Kelly, explains. We have a number of officers who work in more sensitive areas of policing where a veil of secrecy is their shield. And, and protecting them from, you know, clear risk and dealing with, you know, most dangerous people in our society. With the threat level from dissident Republicans at severe in the north, PSNI Chief Constable Simon Byrne was facing calls for his resignation. I know it's a question that people will be asking. I don't think leadership is about walking away. It's facing up to your responsibilities. And I think the organisation needs consistency and calm heads at the moment across the team to lead us through what we accept is an unprecedented crisis. Dissident Republicans are claiming to have access at least some of the information, but it appears that the home addresses of officers were not exposed. The UK's Information Commissioner, John Edwards, says that he and his team are assessing the issues but that a serious error was made. Something's gone wrong here. Police Service Northern Ireland has used a third-party platform to upload a document in response to a freedom of information request uh, and I would be expecting to look very closely at the policies and procedures associated with uh, publishing in that way. It was another turbulent week in the world of Donald Trump. Following a post he made on his Truth Social site, Special Counsel Jack Smith requested a federal protective order limiting what he can say about the January 6th election case being taken against him. Donald wasn't impressed. This is what he had to say about Smith. Deranged Jack Smith. He's a deranged human being. You take a look at that face, you say, that guy is a sick man. There's something wrong with him. I through, somebody said, why don't you be nice to him? I said, yeah, wouldn't matter. Wouldn't matter. This guy's a maniac. On a Monday, a judge threw out the countersuit against the communist E. Jean Carroll, who won a $5 million judgment against him earlier this year. He's also under pressure from Special Prosecutor Jack Smith, who wants a protective order against the Donald. And if that wasn't enough, he's rival for the Republican Party presidential nomination. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis finally put the boot in on NBC about Donald's false election claims. Of course he lost. Okay. Joe Biden's the president. But the issue is, I think, what, what people in the media and elsewhere, they want to act like somehow this was just like the perfect election. And later on in the week, we heard that a speech warrant had been served on Trump's Twitter account as part of the January 6th pretrial process. And what's more, an internal Trump campaign memo revealed on Wednesday showed how Donald and his team tried to interfere with the election process in multiple states after it was clear that he had lost the 2020 presidential race. But as usual, Trump doesn't let real life get in the way of a good campaign speech. Here he is playing to his base. So this is all about election interference, but that isn't quite good enough. Crooked Joe now wants the thug prosecutor, this deranged guy, to file a court order taking away my First Amendment rights so that I can't speak. On Thursday, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar gave an indication that the government could be on the way to helping out mortgage holders. Recent increases in the cost of lending has seen rates rise to over 4%, the highest in over a decade, and puts Ireland in the middle of the league table for European countries. Varadkar says the government is aware that people are struggling, but that any government relief would have to be targeted. The difficulty with and across-the-board mortgage interest relief is that when it was there before, it actually had the effect of increasing house prices uh, and increasing the amount of mortgages people would get from their banks and therefore increasing their debt. So there is a risk in it. Sinn Féin TD owner Brin said that for many people affected by the change in rates, the cash impact could be €5,000 a year. He believes that it's vital that targeted relief is made available quickly. Pierce stardy proposed a number of months ago a, an immediate introduction uh, of a relief that would cover 30% of the cost uh, of those interest rate hikes capped at uh, €1,500. Euros to run throughout the course of this year. It's something temporary. It's something to put money back in people's pockets. And at a time when energy prices are high and food prices are high and back to school costs are too much, eh, 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 struggling mortgage holders desperately need some relief and they need it now. It was a tense week in Niger after a coup at the weekend saw the military junta shut down the country's airspace on Monday. The economic community of West African states had demanded President Mohamed Bazoum be reinstated by Sunday, but this deadline was ignored by the coup leaders. A spokesperson for Junta explained why they took the action. Faced with the threat of intervention, Niger's airspace is closed for all aircraft until further orders. All attempts to violate the national airspace will be the object of a forceful and instantaneous response. Niger hosts French and American military bases and up to now the country has been seen as a key partner in the fight against jihadist insurgents in the region. With reports of 1,500 Wagner fighters recently sent to Africa, U.S. Secretary of State Blinken told media that the Russian mercenary group is taking advantage of the instability. Speaking to French media on Tuesday, Blinken made it clear that the U.S. will continue to work to restore order in Niger. We are behind the efforts of ECOWAS to try to restore constitutional order in Niger. We are opening up diplomatically to support their efforts. And former British ambassador to Niger, Nick Westcott, says that the situation in Niger means that President Mohamed Bazoom's chances of returning to power are slim. The situation is getting increasingly severe. The standoff between the junta and the neighbouring countries is getting more serious. Uh, and the junta are currently refusing to make really any concessions at all to the return of civilian rule. So to come on the Standard 7 Island Edition, shots fired in Ecuador. And rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. Right after this. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. Welcome back. That's a shocking sound of presidential candidate Fernando Villavicencio being assassinated in Ecuador. he just spoken at a campaign event near the capital Quito just days before the election is due to take place. He was a former journalist dedicated to exposing corruption and the link between organised crime and government in the South American country. The election will still take place, according to President Guillermo Lasso, who had declared a national state of emergency and asked the military to patrol polling stations. US National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby says it's a shocking turn of events. We obviously... I uh, hope that there will be a full, complete uh, and transparent investigation into this uh, and that the, uh, that the perpetrators are held properly accountable. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's a her- horrific scene, it's a disturbing video, uh, and obviously it's not what anybody would want uh, for the people of Ecuador or, quite frankly, Ecuador's democracy. to Disease X? No, neither have we and that's because it doesn't exist yet. Disease X is the name of the next potential virus that could send us into a worldwide COVID-style crisis and UK scientists are preparing before it gets a chance to strike. The work has been carried out at Porton Down, the government's high security lab in Wiltshire where they've drawn up a threat list of animal viruses that could infect humans and spread rapidly around the world. Head of UK health security agency Jenny Harry said that they're building on the work done during the recent pandemic. The laboratory's here at 2,800 square metres of uh, investment uh, through the vaccine task force through the UK government during Covid Uh, and so what we're trying to do now is capture that really excellent work from Covid and make sure we're using that as we go forward for any new pandemic threats. But how likely are we to see another pandemic in our lifetimes? Pretty likely, according to chair of the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, Professor Andrew Pollard. Worryingly, it's very likely that uh, there will be uh, future pandemics. Of course, it's impossible to say exactly when that might happen. But the circumstances um, that we see in front of us make it very likely. Connors final standing ovation took place on Tuesday morning. Thousands of people lined the Strand Road in the county Wicklow town of Bray to pay their last respects as the singer's funeral cortege slowly passed the seafront before heading to a private burial service. As the hearse paused in front of a house she had lived in for 15 years, locals, fans and people who had travelled to be there cheered and sang her most famous songs. Irish musician Liam O'Mwainley was amongst the crowd. She shook the foundations of of many aspects of of what we call society you know she shook the foundations of that and and, and made people look again. The singer's life was celebrated in a private ceremony on Tuesday morning, which was attended by President Higgins and the Taoiseach, as well as her family and close friends. Muslim funeral prayers were led by Dr. Umar al-Qadri, chief of at the Islamic Centre for Ireland. Her fans were clear on why they turned out in such numbers to mark the iconic Irish singer's last journey. It's a moment in history, and Sinead was such a powerful Irish woman, and she stood for people who were minorities and were kind of the underdogs. You've been listening to the Smart 7 Ireland Edition. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit the follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes and we'll give you the world. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,